यार यू से एनीथिंग टू हर इसका तो रोना धोना चालू हो जाता है शी इज टू सेंसिटिव जस्ट सेट इट आउट ऑफ एंगर लेट इट गो नाउ तुम दोनों एक ही घर में पैदा हुए हो बट फिर भी यू ऑल आर सो डिफरेंट हाउ Okay so my guess is that you be the said this to someone or been at the receiving end of this but have you ever wondered why we are the way we are and what is it that makes us do these things now i think i'd say that i've pretty much always been a really curious kid all of my life and if you're like me then buckle up because you're definitely going to like this conversation decoding ourselves is exactly what has made this now popular neurologist become viral on social media Dr Sid Warrior has always wanted us to know ourselves better and teach us the things that maybe our school should have taught us yeah so be prepared to nerd out but in a fun way because in this episode we discuss absolutely everything related to our brains and believe me you're really going to love it because i swear man i never knew talking to a neurologist could be this much fun hello and welcome to the show thank you so much for agreeing to do this because your page is an absolute treat for curious people like me and uh, i have to start off by asking you were you always fascinated with the brain and what made you take up neurology so first of all thanks for having me on absolute pleasure to be on this podcast uh when i was in medical college i was interested in understanding why things happen So I realized that uh, one of my main motivators was curiosity, and medicine is a is a hotbed of unsolved mysteries. Every patient who comes into your OPD has some things that you don't understand, and a few things that you understand. So there's always this drive to learn more and more about how the body works the way it does. Uh, and the deeper I got into it, the more I realized that uh, neuroscience or the study of the brain is where most unanswered questions lie. so we've kind of understood a lot about say the heart or the liver or the kidneys but when it comes to the brain there is so many unanswered questions and that curiosity really drove me and the other thing was even when i was in school i was very interested in psychology just human behavior why do my friends behave like this what is this teacher thinking about when you know he she's scolding someone what's happening there why are people the way they are and i thought let me do psychology it was a very silly mistake but after i took up science i realized that psychology does not come in science <laughs> psychology comes in art arts now i have my own views about that but uh, the next best thing for me was to go through medicine through md medicine and then do neuro neurology hmm. because i thought this is the roundabout way of reaching back to psychology so you kind of understand the hardware yeah. side of it yeah wow So I mean now you have spent a lifetime decoding human behavior and understanding why we do what we do and all of those things in fact your page is filled with so many things like I look at a post and I'm like wait I never thought of this like why do I behave like this in this situation <laughs> okay but before I get on to that I want to ask you so yesterday I was reading this fact that basically never before has there been a time in humanity where we have become so toxic mentally to ourselves as well as towards other people um to, in terms of maybe projecting certain behavior that stems from our own insecurities so in your observation what what has happened what is going wrong in these times uh i wouldn't say that we are more toxic per se i i feel that we are exposed to a lot of information very quickly and we don't allow ourselves the time to process that information 
So I look at information like I look at food. You need it to survive. You need it to grow. But if you keep stuffing yourself without giving those breaks, without giving your body time to digest, it is going to harm you. And that's what's happening with knowledge, awareness. So we are literally being stuffed with facts and information 24-7 without really having time to process it. And that leads to a lot of overthinking. That leads to a lot of doubt, confusion, self-doubt. It leads to snap judgments. It leads to half-baked ideas. This person said this, so therefore this means that this, this. So it, it translates into us being a little less kind with each other. And what I think should happen is that uh, we really need to slow down. Yes. <laughs> and that's why I love the name of your podcast. Yes. It is a need of the hour. We need to learn to slow down because I think it's a forgotten art now at this point. Mm, lovely. But so in taking into consideration all of this, like I feel it a lot. I feel I'm overwhelmed with both. Maybe even if I consciously try and consume content today and I make sure my feed is only things that are positive and feeding me well, even then I feel overwhelmed sometimes, you know. Um, but if we had to understand and slow down and literally assess ourselves, um, you're an expert in decoding us, human behavior, right? Uh, there are so many factors today. There's the mental aspect. There are emotional tendencies. The same situation that happens to you may make you react completely differently and me react completely differently. There are so many factors like life situations within your body. There's neurochemicals and hormones. How does one go back to, you know, breaking it down and saying, okay, why am I the way I am? And can you walk us through that journey of the mind, the emotions and what influences us? Or rather, what shapes our worldview in general? Yeah. The answer to this can be understood through a trifecta. There are certain genetic reasons why we are the way we are. There are certain social reasons or environmental reasons as to why we are the way we are. And there are some psychological reasons. Hmm. So this is called, uh, so this is a, it's like a tripod. Mm -hmm. These three legs create you. Hmm. Genetics, we won't think of because that it is what it is. Mm -hmm. Whatever your ancestors have learned, you have you are born with those core emotions, those core fears. Environment plays a big role. How you are brought up, what you define as a threat is different for you and would be different for your cousin because you grew up in different households. Mm -hmm. And finally, your psychology, which is your own individual life experiences and your own thoughts. Mm -hmm. So these are the two things that we can control. Mm -hmm. And uh, whenever somebody comes to me and says that this is something that I'm going through, what they don't understand is that this process is an ongoing one. Right now, today, if you're 25 or 35 or 45, mm -hmm. you can start today and you can change your environment. You can change your thinking patterns and become a different person mm -hmm. because of neuroplasticity, because of the way that our brain is constantly learning. Mm -hmm. We can keep changing. And so there's always hope. There's always, if you feel that you are making a mistake in a particular way, if you're too emotional, if you're not emotional enough, there is a way to change. The core drivers of all emotion, I believe, is fear and love. Mm. Let's put it in the simplest terms. This is almost poetic. It's more poetic than scientific. Yeah. But in order to explain the core push and pull of human emotion, we can understand it in terms of fear and love. You either love something, which means you're going towards it, or you're afraid of something and you're going away from it. This is the core 
plus and minus of life. Now this can be further differentiated into all the positive emotions and all the negative emotions. Mm. So fear, anger, rage, hate, jealousy, insecurity, all of that is in the negative emotions. Happiness, uh, enthusiasm, love, motivated, feeling motivated, all of those are positive emotions. But if you understand it, it's either you're either going towards something or you're going away from something. And this push and pull is what guides you every day. Everything around you is either pushing you or pulling you. Mm. And when you start meditating or when you start becoming mindful of yourself, this is the first thing you need to understand. What is pulling you and what is pushing you? And mm. you'll feel after a while, when I meditate like this, I feel sometimes like I'm a paper boat on the, on the ocean. You could literally feel yourself being tossed by the waves, you know, mm. because you feel you are always being influenced by everything around you. So once you understand that, you can learn to step back. So this is why uh, just before the podcast started, we were talking about uh, mindfulness and meditation and the Rishikesh, yeah. we were talking about spirituality. Yes. I believe this is the crux of it. This mm. awareness of your own emotion is the crux of it. Now, if we, if we focus on, let's say, the two aspects of the trifecta that you spoke about, which is the classic like nature versus nurture debate, there's a really interesting story that comes to my head where my parents used to tell me this, that there were two kids brought up in the same family. The father, in, bo in both cases, obviously, the father would treat them in the same manner. The father was completely a drunkard. And um, one child grew up to be a complete drunkard. And the other child grows up to be extremely successful. And when the journalist goes and asks the brother who is a drunkard and is, you know, in an asylum saying, why did you end up like this? He says, um, my father was a drunkard, he used to beat me up. And when they ask the successful man, how did you become so successful? He says, my father was a drunkard, he used to beat me up. <laughs> in a case where you have the same upbringing, the environmental factor has stayed the same in both cases. Then what what is the mental makeup that has, what has gone behind making these two people so completely different from each other? So this is the power of perception. The same story, if you shift your perspective by a little bit, the entire viewpoint changes. So the same incident, the same experience, depending on where you are standing, if you shift that, the experience itself changes. And this is one of the trickiest things in life that what is reality? Two people could experience the same thing, but have very different stories of that same reality. Uh, there is this uh, anecdote that people say, right? That uh, four blind men are in front of an elephant and they have to describe the elephant. And one of them describes it as a big tree trunk. One of them describes it as a very thin snake. One of them describes it as a big flapping fan because they're touching different parts of the elephant. So whichever angle you are standing at, reality can be different. This is a part of a cognitive behavioral therapy called as narrative therapy, because we are understanding more and more the importance of storytelling. So what is the story that you have created about the things that are happening to you? That defines the outcome. So one brother has created a story that my father is a drunkard, he's hitting me, uh, I need to cope with this. And uh, then he also takes to alcohol because he grows up thinking this is the way to handle it. The other, other brother takes the same story and changes it, saying that this is something happening to me. I hate it. Therefore, I should never do this. So he goes the opposite way. Mm. 
Mm. It's just a shift of perspective. There's nothing in terms of mental, fa- what shapes us mentally. Like for instance, I think I have noticed this in my life. Some people have noticed that they're so mentally resilient that, you know, I would look at them and say, if that was happening to me right now, I think I would be shattered, you know? Mm. So what shapes us mentally in terms of at Obviously, our brain develops throughout life. We pick up on different habits, maybe knowingly, maybe unknowingly. But at what, what is the most influential part of our life which shapes how we become mentally as people? Mm. So I have a theory on this that if you look at somebody going through their hardest period or their most difficult struggle and you are put in the middle of it immediately, you will shatter. But understand that they got there step by step. And that makes a big difference. So resilience is the capacity of the body and the brain to withstand stress, right? And just like your physical body, you need a warm up. You need to, there is called progressive muscle, progressive load, right? You, you keep on increasing the weight that you are lifting at the gym. If you just wake up, go down and lift 150 kilos, you Nail will fracture. Huh, yeah. So you will spasm your muscle. But if you gradually build up towards it, In a week's time, you are able to lift 150. In a month's time, in a year's time. So resilience is usually always a function of how long they have been exposed to increasing stress. There is no upper limit. There is no lower limit to what a person can bear. It's all about how long are they given to adjust to it. So usually, what is the difference between resistance and trauma? All trauma is resistance that has increased in too much intensity, in too short a time. That is what trauma is. We have all gone through different levels of stress. And so we are resilient for different things. So some people might be very resilient when it comes to relationships. Because they've been through three breakups. Now they know that (laughs) then there'll be another guy who's been bodybuilding for the last 10 years. But one girl breaks his heart and he's done for yeah. Because he's not developed the resilience for that particular kind of stress. So resilience is very stress specific. What about the other instance where now I'm guilty of this, okay, where a life experience happens to you and it makes you a certain way, which you might even know is is not really serving you well. You know, it's right. made you build another wall as a human being, okay. Um, sometimes I feel like we cling to that identity. Like for instance, even if we know it is better for us to, you know, not be like that and work on overcoming that experience in a correct way. We still are, you know, I've seen people say this very often. I can't help it. It's my past. You know, my past has made me like this. Like we're all, I think at some point everyone is like this. Why does that happen? Why are we so attached even to experiences that we know we've not processed well? So we do this thing where uh, I call it equalization. We want to remain balanced. We want to find some form of equanimity. How we do that is individual to each person. You have to create some kind of shortcut. The best equalizer is God. Whatever happens, sab upar wale ke mein. done. You have equalized. Hmm. You have come to terms with that situation. Somehow in your head, you have taken away the guilt. You have taken away accountability. You've taken away responsibility in the sense that ye, I could not help this. It's all written. It's all fate. Suddenly things are equalized. Suppose if you don't believe that. Mm-hmm. Suppose if you don't believe in God. Now you need to find a different equalization. Mm-hmm. One of them is that this was not in my hands. Somebody else was at fault. Mm-hmm. That is an equalization. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to blame somebody else, this is who I am. 
I can't change. Basically, every equalization is finding some way to be okay with that narrative. The reason we do this is because we are uncomfortable with discomfort. If we if we could allow ourselves to remain uncomfortable for a little while longer, we might have found other reasons, other solutions, other things to work on. If I were to be and suppose if I had a task today, I had to write a script and shoot a video. It's seven o'clock. It's seven p.m. and I still haven't done it. I could say that. This is who I am. I procrastinate. There's nothing I can do about it. Now I have equalized. I have made sense of it. Now I can go on with my life. But mm-hmm. if I were to remain uncomfortable for a little while longer, I might find more specific reasons. Was it because I ended up watching Netflix for two hours? I really shouldn't have done that. There is because that's an uncomfortable thought. I don't want to remain in that thought because it's making me feel bad. Mm-hmm. But if I could just remain uncomfortable for another thirty seconds, two minutes, I might find other solutions coming. So this is that those thirty seconds of discomfort is what we need to be used to in order to find better solutions. Because this equalization is damn tricky. We do it subconsciously. We do it even before realizing. I call it the universal shrug. You know, sometimes something bad happens and we just shrug. Okay, क्या ही कर सकते? That is an equalization. So every time you do that, catch yourself. Hmm. You just equalized. Are emotions linked to this? Like I've read a lot about people saying when you're procrastinating, and why do people procrastinate? That there's some uh, something you're either avoiding, and how do we get into understanding why we have a tendency? Like, let's take for example, procrastination. Why do we procrastinate? Mm. That is the billion-dollar question, isn't it? <laughs> I don't yeah. think there is a there is a grown-up or child <laughs> on earth who doesn't want to know the answer to that. So the answer is very simple. We procrastinate because we have a different priority list in different parts of our brain you say you want to finish your ppt but biologically do you really want to finish your ppt so this is the fundamental thing that we need to understand that you are not one person you think you are one person but you are not there are different parts of your brain that has different priorities so there's one part of your brain which is the spinal cord which is only concerned with keeping your balance and making sure nothing is hurting your skin so as soon as i prick your finger your hand will go back your hand will go back even before your brain knows that your finger is pricked mm. because the spinal cord senses pain several milliseconds before your brain is aware so that is one part of your brain mm. then there is a part of the brain called as the limbic system which is only concerned with your immediate well-being mm. your emotional state so that is the one that chases after food which chases after um which chases after you know finding a girlfriend or finding a boyfriend it chases after entertainment it chases power all of those things and it runs away from people who are going to hurt you that part of the brain is only concerned with the here and now that is a part of the brain that would rather watch netflix than work on your ppt and finally the most evolved part of the brain which is the prefrontal cortex which is right mm-hmm. behind your forehead that is the part of the brain that creates narratives and it is that narrative that this job is important your long term career is important log kya kahenge all of that is a narrative that your prefrontal cortex has created now if for some reason hmm. your prefrontal is not able to convince your limbic that this is important the limbic will just show a middle finger like i don't believe you you say that the ppt is important but prove it how will doing this ppt help me in my life you prove it to me and if the pfc is not able to prove it it's not going to happen so is that like a mind versus emotions because you're talking about the mind and on one level you said the limbic system is con- controlling our emotional tendencies so is that like the classic mind and emotion battle happening 
where the mind is unable to emotionally convince you as to why this is more important right now that's where the battle lies pretty much so the when i when when you say mind the mind is actually this beautiful complex putting together of all parts of your brain so you are this you know this uh, kaleidoscope of everything that your brain is all put together and uh, that's why it is difficult to just talk about the mind as one entity because there are several minds or rather the mind has multiple patterns and that's why it's tricky so you need to be able to distinguish the way i do it and i'm going to share a hack with you okay something that i have been using uh. imagine your uh, your brain as a speedometer you know like in the car and there's a needle on the left hand side is your prefrontal cortex mm-hmm. and on your right hand side is your limbic system okay let's simplify it at any given point of the day during your waking hours that needle is at one particular point on that speedometer okay and that is where your mind is that is where you're functioning from for that day in that moment it's not even day wow. it varies moment to moment it varies second to second millisecond to millisecond imagine that needle constantly fluctuating between limbic pfc limbic pfc limbic pfc that's how you are living every day every hour every second your that needle keeps fluctuating okay yeah now at any given point if you are talking to somebody you need to know two things you need to know where is your needle pointing and where is the other person's needle point now the best example is a fight in a relationship okay okay you are with someone hmm you are a little angry he's a little angry both of your needles are in the limbic zone now imagine if you are very angry you are seething you are red your needle is completely into the limbic now at this point imagine if his needle is completely in the pfc and he's saying let's be rational about this does that work for you no way <laughs> no way because only limbic can talk to limbic and this is something that i've understood way too late in my life that <laughs> in a relationship if somebody is in a limbic zone mm-hmm. and you want to comfort them they have to be comforted in a limbic way wow. which is gestures which is body language which is um hand holding which is whatever it is but it has to be a limbic way mm-hmm. words are not limbic words are prefrontal cortex wow words evolved very recently just a few 10000 50000 years ago the limbic evolved more than a billion years ago the gap between these two things is too much to even contemplate so if your limbic is upset and you want to reassure it it needs limbic love not pfc love but do people tend to be is one more dominant like for instance i have met people who tend to always seem like they're more rational than emotional and then there are people who so is there one that sometimes is way more dominant than the other intrinsically in a person everyone has one dominant uh, aspect mm-hmm. so there are some people whose needle tend to be more in the pfc zone more often than not and others who are more in the limbic zone and if you talk to somebody for 5 minutes and you get an idea ye banda limbic hai ye banda pfc hai more often than not of course everybody is reasonable sometimes everybody is emotional sometimes but where are you more often than not will dictate how you talk to that person now i want to ask you because earlier you spoke about the nervous system and you mm-hmm. are a neurologist and we all talk so much about our mind right but 
the nervous system is so strongly linked to the mind even everything we do in the neural pathways that influence our mind i think i mean what is the link between the nervous system and the brain because even when like when you're going through something emotionally very difficult there are very obvious physiological symptoms that you feel when you're nervous or you know you're excited sometimes your palms are sweaty what how can we understand sometimes what we are going through mentally by looking at the symptoms that our body is giving us first of all you can't say the words palms are sweaty without the whole song starting in your head yes <laughs> i think we can all just agree <laughs> on that uh, but that's also an interesting point because that entire song mm. eminem's lose yourself the first stanza mm-hmm. is essentially describing a sympathetic overdrive mm. uh, which is a panic attack so that's what he's describing palms are sweaty knees weak arms are heavy so vomiting all of those things what he's describing is an autonomic reaction so your body has this entire system that is dedicated to keeping balance your heartbeat your breathing <laughs> your digestion all of that is being con- controlled by the system called as the autonomic nervous system the autonomic nervous system is one of the most primitive nervous systems that came out even before your um, motor and your sensory which is how how do you sense things and how do you move your arms and legs even before that your brain needed to control how fast your heart is beating because that's the most primitive thing and because it was so primitive it is closely connected to your emotions everything is so primitive the autonomic nervous system is what controls this entire thing now 1 billion years ago it was say a rabbit looking at a tiger attacking it but today we don't have tigers attacking us instead today we have trolls threatening us on twitter but the response is still the same because to our brain it is still somebody who is antagonistic threatening to attack us so whether it's a tiger in the jungle or an anonymous troll our primitive brain cannot distinguish between these two things so our brain thinks that oh somebody is attacking me it immediately switches on the sympathetic side of the autonomic nervous system our heartbeat starts to rise we are sweating we are you know you're breathing faster you're getting angry you're getting defensive that fight and flight response kicks in and so you start reacting that and this happens all the time around us we are constantly surrounded by threats imaginary threats isne aisa kyu bola usne phone kyu nahi kiya boss ne chillaya kyu mera bahut late ho raha hai main main kuch nahi kar paunga insecurities all of those things are threats so we are living in a state of sympathetic overdrive we are always on edge we're always late we're always guilty we're always feeling like we should be somewhere else when we are here this this constant stress is causing actual real life problems and a lot of this is perceived stress absolutely these are all narrative stresses they're not they're not so called real stresses survival stresses correct or life threatening stresses correct if we look take take an overview of everything that's making us who we are right from childhood even in our childhood for instance we have like i read somewhere that uh, the power of an authoritative figure and how if you really trust someone in your childhood it's not necessary that that person be your mother or father you begin to pick up their belief systems and if they believe that this is a reality of life that let's say uh, a middle class person can never be rich you will unknowingly take on the beliefs of anyone who you really deeply trust in your childhood how do we as adults i think we've become when you become an adult you do revisit your childhood sometimes you do become aware of situations which have made you the way you are but how can we go back and break down and take action on what we're realizing it's one thing to have the knowledge 
that okay i picked up this belief from this stage of my life but how do we undo the power of like the mind so powerfully implements that in our life how can we undo that damage well not overnight is the is a simpler answer because we do sometimes believe we can change overnight especially when you read a motivational self help <laughs> okay you yeah. pick it up hmm. and you think that bus i will read this and everything will be different. life is changing life yeah. is changed and it it doesn't happen that way because neuroplasticity takes time neurons take time to rewire those networks form slowly but they form in a long lasting way if done properly so first thing to understand is it does take time and wahi pe aadhe log nahi karenge because we need everything right now we need change to happen right now we need life to get better right now uh we need money to come in right now and it doesn't happen like that everything is exponential everything takes compounding including the rags to riches story i i read a very uh, a powerful quote the other day that even when you hear of a rags to riches story there are always forces that are at work that we don't see like for example caste privilege there are always other things that are working in favor of that person mm-hmm. that uh, may not always be evident one thing i've always felt was when you create a narrative about yourself like it's your your identity who you are it's a very good exercise to ask yourself where did this identity come from so if you were to create a list of your top 10 characteristics that define you chances are that each one of those things came about because of someone or because of some kind of experience something that you learned along the way uh you learned that because of that situation and that means that if you can trace it down to that you can change that mm-hmm. now you know that i learned this kind of behavior from this school friend of mine who did, who taught me this or who behaved like this and that's mm-hmm. how that thought pattern has stuck to my head it's not possible all the time not everybody can do this but if you can it is extremely uh, useful because now you know that if these people have influenced me in this way that means that if i can now change my environment i can be a whole different person and the older the identity the harder it is to change what about the depth of the emotion involved is it because of the power of the emotion attached to that belief that it will become it will take a while longer to undo that effect mm-hmm. it does what happens is that we have thoughts that are built on top of other thoughts so we have certain preconceived notions of the way the world is and those preconceived notions will then end up affecting our decision making so this is the basis of all stereotypes or biases so we say that oh ye log to aise hi hai right and this is called as a heuristic so the term is heuristic because it's a mental shortcut so if i were to meet somebody mm-hmm. say uh, i go to college and my roommate is a is a gujarati boy okay whose parents are jewelers i'm just saying now i can if i want to take out the time and effort to get to know him as an individual person before i make any kind of assumptions about him or i could instead spare myself that cognitive effort because it does take effort to do so much and just say oh he's a 25 year old gujju boy whose parents are jewelers so that means he must be xyz whatever it is and that's how mental heuristics work because we don't want to put in the effort to know each and individual every person i will now color them all with one brush and then i will get the same level of satisfaction as if i have understood that person because mm-hmm. to my brain i have solved the mystery mm-hmm. now i know ki mm-hmm. ye to aise hi 
this is by all racial stereotypes gender stereotypes uh, you know language stereotypes oh all all tamil speaking people are this all malayali <laughs> mallu is to aise mallu <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah absolutely right and so not all stereotypes are bad i'm not saying yeah. i'm not saying that because i'm just trying to understand why we do this right and let's not villainize ourselves too much because the reason we do this is because this has worked for us stereotyping and making these snap judgments has proven to be evolutionarily advantageous for us that's why we do it not because we want to be you know cruel or we don't want to be wrong so if somebody comes to me randomly on the street and says hey can i talk to you for a minute now the decision of whether i pause or whether i walk how do i make that you have already made some assessment of the person based on maybe how they dressed or i don't know something something yeah but that's wrong yeah i shouldn't do that <laughs> right but how do i make that decision hmm. do i stop or do i walk i can't sit and talk to them okay tell me about your whole life yeah. tell me about your identity tell me what's your dreams in hmm. life hmm. i can't do that i have to decide it based on something so i look at them i listen to, i hear their voice i see how they are dressed are they wearing a rolex watch i don't know is that is that relevant you would say no but maybe to you it could be to anyone because in your mind there are certain preconceived notions that are already in place are they are they look, wearing are they wearing rags or are they wearing a suit is that important i mean a, a suit wearing person could be a con artist and somebody wearing rags could be the most amazing person you've ever met but do i have the time to make that decision if not then this is all i have to go with and this is why evolutionarily this has proven to be such a success because we can make snap judgments and move on with our lives as opposed to getting stuck right mm. there it's not mm. correct yes. it's not ethical but evolution is not ethical it's supposed to just get shit done so it's yeah. more on efficiency than anything else so this is something that makes me conflicted because on the one hand you you know you you don't want to judge anybody but at the same time how do you survive without judging that's absolutely true yeah I've had it so many times in life like I may have judged someone but then when I got the chance to know them better maybe because we went for a destination wedding together and all then I realized wait I thought this person was a snob and like they're actually really really nice you know yeah. like what was I even thinking yeah my god but yeah. you've given us so much beautiful information and I want you to tell our listeners about your course rewire your brain because it's mm-hmm. so comprehensive and I think it's very important that people understand a lot everything about themselves and they work towards becoming that's why we have the title slow down with Aastha it's to encourage people to look inward so what is your course rewire your brain about the course was built with one idea in mind that we all have the right to self awareness we are living our lives we are doing all these things without really understanding what is happening in your brain So imagine if we all have to pay taxes but none of us knew what taxes were that would be very unfair but we are going through all these experiences and emotions we are telling ourselves to focus we're telling ourselves to get better more productive we're telling ourselves to be not so emotional without even knowing what emotions are why do we sleep so much or why do we not sleep why why does the food we eat affect the way we think what happens when you get your periods what is what happens in sex what is what what does uh, what do hormones what do hormones have to do with who you are these are very fundamental things that affect us every day of our lives and we don't know about so i feel that we are all playing at a disadvantage and that's not fair so ideally school is supposed to teach 
the purpose of school is to prepare you for life. But they don't teach us taxes and they don't teach us neuroscience. Instead, they teach us about geography. history and geography <laughs> and what happened in the prairies and what kind of plant grows in the in the Brazilian, you know, Brazilian Midlands. And useful information, sure, sometime if you are there. But is it as useful as knowing why you are the way you are? Not at Probably all. not. So the purpose of this course was to allow people to do that, to just let people know why they are the way they are, what is the fundamentals of your brain and uh, give them that information and teach them some ways in which they can use it to empower themselves. And uh, hopefully they have a better life because of it. I'm sure they will. And I love the fact that you've designed it in a way where you can do it at your own pace. You know, it's literally like there's no pressure. I mean, and I, people so often say, Are, where's the time array, this and that. But it's so easy to do it. Like you've, you've really thought it through. I can tell that there's been that effort in designing the course to be as convenient as possible for people. Thank you. So I do look uh, forward to completing the course. Sorry, you were saying. Yeah, so the uh, interesting thing was uh, the amount of questions that people have before the course. Hmm is nothing compared to the questions they have after the course. <laughs> really? Yeah. So um, I, I usually th think that uh, a course is supposed to answer your questions, <laughs> but there is so much curiosity after that because the course actually opens up the doors to how much you don't know right. about yourself. Yeah. And now that you know this much, there's a lot of curiosity about, wait, now wh what all can we do with this? Because suddenly you start seeing neuroscience everywhere. And that mm. was the tagline of my YouTube channel as well, that neuroscience is everything because it is. It's uh, the amount of neuroscience that is there in neuromarketing nowadays. The ads that you see, the kind of music that you are exposed to, everywhere your brain is center to your experiences. So that's what, that's what the course is about. I hope you like it and I hope our listeners check it out. Lovely. But before I let you go, I'm going to trouble you with a quick game. What, 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 what do you mean? There's, there are statements that either we tend to say to people, which we should not say, or we tend to be at the receiving end of those statements, or we tend to tell it to ourselves. Okay. Yeah. So I'll tell you two or three statements, which if you had to hear, you can give the most badass and savage response. Like I would look forward to it. Okay. But if someone were to tell you this, what would your response be? Okay. Now I know you're not a girl, but still you can give, we, we can get inspiration from you. So the first one is, why are you so cranky? Is it that time of the month? Oof. Um... No, you are making me cranky right now. <laughs> Put the blame <laughs> on the other person. <laughs> absolutely. Because it's not, um, like I said, it's it's not just the hormones. It's the environment. Mm -hmm. Second one is, you're always so moody. Yeah, just step out and grab a drink. So when somebody says that, you have to remind them that they are free to move on with their lives, but you will get better at your own pace. Wow. That's beautiful. I actually never thought of it in that way. It makes so much sense. Okay. I'm going to ask you to reframe this sentence because we tend to say this very often, but we don't realize that maybe it's not the best way to say it. So the sentence is, why are you so easily triggered by everything? Hmm. So the right way to uh, say this would probably be, what about this situation has threatened you? Because then, then we are looking towards a specific solution a specific answer that this situation happened and I got threatened by this because I was afraid that this will happen. So trigger makes it sound almost like an unreasonable overreaction, but a threat could be a reasonable fear. Right. So understanding things in terms of what has threatened you, I feel is more empathetic. Okay. 
statement too. You have so many traumas. You're so messed up. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I've never said it that bluntly, but I know people who say such things. So instead, what you can say is that what has happened in your life that has made you more concerned about this situation. My last part of this game is where I would like you to correct the following statements, which we often tell ourselves. Okay, one is I will never be good enough. Then what can we tell ourselves when we're feeling like that? Hmm. So perfection is a scam. You have to keep telling yourself this. Hmm. There's no such thing as perfection. Yeah. Perfection is a narrative that we create when you look at other people and think, "Oh, I want to be that." That can be perfection, but that's a very transient thing. The way I frame this question is, what is missing from the situation right now? And that gives me like a very clear cut uh, solution, mm. something to work on. Mm. Okay, this is what is missing. This is what I have to do for this moment. Yeah. My last statement would be, I will always be haunted by my past. For one, it's true. You will always have your past in your mind. In order to grow, you need to have your past in your mind so that you have some reference points mm. that this happened then it shouldn't happen like this now that's why i'm going to do things differently so no no longer haunting but just remembering and learning from it and what are your three rules for a better mental emotional and psychological life one is documentation mm-hmm. flipping the being haunted by the past narrative mm. i would in fact want to remember more and more so instead of trying to forget i try to journal i try to take notes i try to remember more so that i can now have more and more reference points that this is what i did then but this is what i'll do now even if it doesn't make sense in the moment it will make sense later patterns emerge slowly mm. number 2 um it's social connections i believe that the brain is wired to have conversations and a lot of ideas come through conversations um and exchange ideas exchange thoughts and that's where a lot of good ideas come from so finding those kind of people is important and cherishing those kind of people is important yeah um third is exploration i feel that we are always in a rush to call something the finish line so you're never really done it's just like saying perfection is a scam similarly finish lines are a scam the more exploratory mindset you build the better it is even if you pick up something random like tomorrow if you start doing pottery now you've never thought about pottery in your life right you're a podcaster you know you you want to you want to have these kind you want to create content what does pottery have to do with anything you do pottery for a year and in a year's time you will find such deep meaning in that space and your content will have more pottery in it your conversations will have pottery metaphors in it all these things your, your brain takes time to find pattern so don't assume that you already know everything just keep an open mind and keep exploring beautiful thank you so much dr warrior for uh, all the unique insights you've given i must say we spoke about so many things and thank you my absolute pleasure thank you so much asha this was great if you made it to the end of this episode then thank you so much for your time please don't forget to follow us on the audio app of your choice and if you're listening to this via apple podcasts you can even leave a review for us to know more about dr sid warrior and his extremely insightful neuroscience course visit the episode description i hope you tune into our episode next thursday for yet another exciting conversation